Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the Pod. This is the podcast for the Sports and Entertainment Risk Management Alliance. I am Rich Lankov, the host of the Pod. I'm also the founder and CEO of Surma, the Sports and Entertainment Risk Management Alliance. And today we have a very special guest, Joseph Knoll, who is the CEO at Ion PT Solutions, also a physical therapist, discussing today dealing with player injuries. Joe, welcome to the Sermapod. Rich, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So you're a very valued member of Surma. Tell us, first of all, what you do and what ION does as a company. Happy to do so. Uh, I'm the ION CEO and founder. Uh, ION started in 2016, and we are a cost containment company, if you will, in the workers' comp space. So in a nutshell, ION manages patients for a number of clients across the U.S. to make sure that their injured workers get what they need, they get healthy, and they can get returned to work in a, in a time frame that is uh, consistent with the normal healing process of a non-injured worker or athlete, if you will. What does that look like? I mean, what are some of the processes that you engage in to get people back to work uh, in a healthy and quick way? Great question. So we run a we run a network of about 9,500 facilities across the U.S. So we partner with these folks and we offer them the opportunity to treat our patients with us sitting on the outside, flying right above the case, offering clinical oversight. So we have a team of clinicians that manages every referral that comes in, speaks with our injured workers, speaks with the stakeholder at the insurance company or the employer, and then manage the treatment from afar for the therapist that's actually putting their hands on the patient and making sure the patients are getting what they need in a time frame that is consistent with normal healing. So, Joe, we know that player, you know, professional athletes, you have a lot of experience with them. We know that professional athletes are different in many ways from your normal sure. injured employee. Um, talk to us about how you've approached dealing with player injury specifically over the course of your career. So players, actually, they represent the the, the 1% of patients that you want to treat. I mean, the biggest difference in, in, in those patients when they come to the office is day one, they're ready to get back on the field, uh, regardless of what their injury is. They may be just out of surgery, but their focus in their mindset is, you know, guys, get me back as quickly as you can. So it's always easier to work with a patient like that because the motivation and the desire to get back to what they're good at, what they make their money at, is there. Um, that doesn't always exist in our injured worker population. So again, the athlete is that 1% that you want to work for, um, making sure that they can actually go back and actually be better than where they were before they got injured. A lot of what you rely on in a successful outcome is obviously the input that the injured employee puts into it. So how do you engage with athletes and how are they different than your normal employee in terms of getting them to buy into your program and getting them to think the right way and, you know, really engage in trying to get back to work? It's interesting. The, the professional athlete, actually, the toughest task that we have is getting them to manage their own expectations. Um, if on day one, they say, look, I'm 90 percent. I know if I go back, I can actually get this done, even though I may not be 100 percent. So we actually sometimes have to walk the line and say, you're not quite there yet. Um, their buy-in comes from, you know, day one, we do something. And on day two, they feel a little bit better. Day three, again, a little bit better. 
Um, we're in constant communication with their physicians to make sure that we understand what was done in surgery if it's a surgical case. And then also what was their pre-existing status? You know, were they were they running the 40 and 4.5 or were they running the 40 and in, in 5.8? So we're trying to, you know, get them back so that they're functionally able to do it all. But again, also be smart and, and not let the athlete's mind of, hey, I can do this even while injured, um, be to their own detriment. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because, again, a lot of the success of these programs does rely on things that aren't confined to the body or the medicine or the you know orthopedic part of it. It is really dependent on the psychology of getting back to work and, and you know buying into your program. Um, sure. So it's interesting to think about how an athlete's brain functions. And again, most of them are tuned into let's get back to work, you know, let's get back to the field, let's get back to the diamond, wherever it might be. Yeah. Um, so it's got to be a challenge to, you know, overcome that mindset and get them to buy into the program. Um, while also, of course, trying to speed the process along and get them back to, you know, get them back to work. Yeah, yeah. You know, the uh, uh, an injury suffered on the baseball diamond, you know, a torn rotator cuff is a torn rotator cuff. Um, the guy that is, you know, lifting ladders and, and, you know, pallet jacks and whatnot may actually have the same diagnosis on paper. I'm going to tell you that the, the injured athlete went into it in a much better shape, typically, um, unless you're David Wells. I don't know if I can say that or you can edit that out. So, <laughs> but you know, you've, you've got, you've got better tissue, you've got a better, um, physical capacity or potential, but then the mind is really the biggest piece of it. Um, you know, the injured worker sometimes just doesn't really want to get better. And yet the injured athlete is saying, look, if I'm not back out there, I'm not making money. So um, I had a chance to work with major league baseball players. I've worked with professional golfers. I've worked with professional swimmers and all of them say the same thing. You've got to get me back. Okay. And that trust comes from a, they know, you know what you're doing. B you've had success with other athletes similarly. Um, and they, you know, the buy-in comes with you just being confident enough to say, we can get you there. This is what's going to take. This is what I can do. This is what I need you to do. What about the teams? I mean, on the other side are the teams, their employers. Um, obviously, in your line of work, you're dealing with a lot of employers. And, you know, they're, they're, hopefully the best case scenario is there is a relationship between the three of you, you, the injured worker, and the employer in trying to work together to get the employee back to work. That's not always possible. You know, sometimes it's very adversarial. But what's your experience been uh, with regards to these patients' employers? In other words, uh, professional uh, sports teams. My my relationship with them is, has always been a positive. That was an easy thing to manage um, because they've got a lot of money invested in these folks. I mean, they're not looking at the you know the guy that's throwing a ninety four mile an hour fastball and saying, "Can you rush this?" Okay, because they're they've got a contract that's three, four, five years for this patient, and they want to make sure that they get all five years out of them. Or, or trade him. Um, so that was never a big issue. I never had demands placed on me that said, can you do something differently or quicker? And let's just see what happens. I mean, they typically respect the physician. And I think the relationships that we had with physicians um, solidify the confidence in the employer that, hey, if Dr. Andrews says this is the guy that needs to treat this patient, then the, the employer, the, the team, the, you know, the 
whatever is going to actually respect that and then be confident that you're going to deliver on time. Joe, what about dealing with physicians uh, for these kind of injuries? Um, are you finding the trend is to manage these injuries non-surgically? Has there been advancements made in conservative treatment? Obviously, for an athlete, uh, surgery is the last resort, more so than another employee, because surgery can result in this you know, huge loss of income and loss of time. And you know, uh, it also carries with it a different connotation in professional sports. Once you have that Tommy John surgery or once you have that, you know, knee surgery, that can, that that could stay with you and you could get this tag of being someone who's injury prone. So what yeah. are you finding are the, uh, you know, innovations in terms of uh, treatment, surgical versus non-surgical? And are doctors a little more sensitive to that kind of treatment given that, given the athletes involved? Yeah. Uh, great question. And, and, you know, in this baseball off season, we're all wondering, What's Otani's value been decreased by potentially by having a second need for Tommy John surgery? So um, I can tell you this, most of my ortho buddies are always going to try to manage a patient non-surgically because as soon as you put a knife on somebody, put a scar on somebody, there is a potential for X, Y, and Z. And, and there, while there are relatively few unknowns, there are some patients that just don't respond well to surgery, either through development of keloid or the surgery didn't go as anticipated. An MRI, as much as a crystal ball as we think it is, doesn't really give a full picture of the anatomy until someone actually gets in there. So managing non-surgically is always the preferred route, but sometimes not, not possible. So, um, you know, expectations of physicians are if there's a collaboration between the surgeon that's doing the initial care and then the follow-up on the rehab team, whatever it takes, three months, six months, nine months, it's got to be constant and open communication. What is this patient going through? Are there symptoms that are that are suggesting we need to do a repeat MRI, et cetera? Um, I think the other patient that we're all looking at now who's an, you know, is an injured worker is uh, the quarterback for the New York Jets. You know, let's just see what Aaron Rodgers done, does based on returning from an injury that, you know, when I became a PT 30 years ago, you were out for a year minimum after you rupture your Achilles with the hope that you can actually return to play. And now we've got this guy 11 weeks post uh, Achilles repair actually cleared for practice yesterday without contact. So, you know, we'll see. The advancements are significant since when I became a PT than they are now. Um, normal healing and normal tissue response is aided by medication, lifestyle, better diets, et cetera. But it's always a little bit of an unknown. As a Bears fan, Joe, as much as I hate to admit it, Aaron Rodgers does seem to be uh, a bit of a modern medical miracle. As you mentioned, we saw him practicing just yesterday, well before the time that sure. most conventional wisdom thought he would return. So, I mean, again, you mentioned that, you know, some of that is maybe genetic, some of that is attitude, some of that is fitness, but I mean, to what do you attribute this, you know, unprecedented return from this, you know, devastating injury with Rogers? I, mean, I, I think it's his probably the wherewithal and the will that he has to actually go back and compete. Um, you know, 25 years ago or 20 years ago, I can't remember the date, Jerry Rice tore his ACL. Okay. One of, if not the best uh, wide receiver of all time. Okay. And he was actually towards the end of his career, and there was a there was a need to kind of get him back sooner, either through for a contract reason or something. But um, he had an autograph done for his ACL, which means they took 
um, a bone tendon bone plug. So part of his patella, part of his femur, um, and then his quadriceps tendon. That was tunneled into his knee to create his new ACL. And there again, there was a surgery that, you know, when I first became a PT, you were out for 12 months minimum. Okay. It was a very, very regimented rehab process. And the Niners brought him back in four months. Okay. Um, and it didn't go well. Okay. And the 49ers and their press did their very best to say, you know, guys, this, this re-injury that he had is unrelated to his surgery. And everybody in the sports medicine community said, well, that is just the biggest load of, of crap. It's, it has to be related to this rehab protocol that we know takes, you know, nine months, 12 months minimum, which was accelerated to four months. So fast forward to yesterday when Aaron goes back on the field and non-contact or not, okay, he is at risk. He's now going to, he's now going to accelerate walking to a light jog. He's going to accelerate light jog to a run. Okay. Then he's going to la add lateral movements to that process. So th there's, a, there's a huge bunch of unknowns and there's a whole bunch of people watching this to say, A, did it make sense? And, and was he truly different either genetically or diet or the week that he spends in the cave? Is that really the, the secret sauce, if you will, to be able to make him to do this? Or are we just have a, you know, trying to manage a very, very confident patient? to an expectation that's unrealistic. So I think the jury is out as to if he gets back and actually plays the season, and then does he suffer any consequences, you know, adverse consequences because of it. So. So last question here on the, uh, on the summer pod, you've worked with a lot of athletes, but I know you're a big sports fan also. Who is the one athlete that as you came up in the world, uh, you wish you would have met and maybe not on the training table, but just in general, who is, uh, who is that poster on your wall as a young man coming up in Georgia? Wow, that, that's interesting. So to be fair, I'm actually, um, I'm a South Jersey kid, okay? Mm, okay. Um, so I'm from Philadelphia. My, I'm a diehard Eagles, Flyers, Sixers fan. Uh, I would say Mike Schmidt or Dr. J would have been the ones that I wanted to sit down and have lunch with, to be honest. So, yeah. A couple of Philly legends right there couple of Philly legends. And now we have, now we have Bryce Harper and, and I guess with his new uh, sexiest man alive, Jason Kelsey, add him to the list, right? So. <laughs> those are, uh, those are good choices. Joe Noel from Ion PT Solutions, CEO and Surma member. Thank you so much for your insight and uh, please come back and update us as these issues progress. Will do. Appreciate your time today, Rich. Thanks. Ideas, strategies, and opinions represented on this podcast are those of the speakers and do not represent the ideas, strategies, and opinions of their employers.